Welcome to Office Hours, a social science podcast produced at the University of Minnesota, featuring conversations with prominent scholars, researchers, and other movers and shakers in the social world. In this episode, we talk with Lisa Wade and Gwen Sharp, co-editors of the very popular Soch Images blog at thesocietypages.org. Gwen and Lisa were also the winners of this year's Public Sociology Award at the University of Minnesota's Sociology Research Institute. Well, on this episode of Office Hours, we're with our SRI Award winners for the Public Sociology Award, and TSP readers will know them as the Soch Images Crew. So maybe first you could just introduce yourselves and um, talk about where your home institution is. My name is Lisa Wade. I teach at Occidental College in Los Angeles. And I'm Gwen Sharp. I teach at Nevada State College in Henderson, Nevada. Okay, and our first question, um, Kyle Green will take the lead on asking. So if there's any listeners who are not aware of your blog, who haven't looked at it yet, um, we were wondering if you could just give a basic description of what the blog is, how you got started, um, general overview. Okay, sure. Uh, so the blog, it's, it's the main point of the website is the blog, and we post uh, usually quite short analyses of sociological um, concepts with some sort of visual. It can be a graph or a piece of art or a photograph or an ad or a short commercial or film clip or something, anything that's visual. Uh, and so we use the visual to either illustrate a sociological concept or we, we apply sociological ideas to it. And so we blog every single day, seven days a week, all year long. And, and uh, so there's the main blog that's always being updated. And then we also have uh, uh, in, in the news section where we, you can see where sociological images is popping up elsewhere on the internet. Mm-hmm. And we have the editor's picks, so uh, mine and Gwen's favorite posts. And uh, whatever's trending at the time, so the readers' favorite posts at the time. And then we have a section for instructors where we have a number of things that make it easier for the instructors to use the material on the blog. Right now there are over 4,000 posts on sociological images, so it's useful to have some uh, more efficient way to get through them. (laughs) And everything is cataloged and saved for for eternity. That's right. And uh, it's all tagged with... with, Mm -hmm. There's... uh, Almost 200 tags, so uh, it, you know that we sociologists will recognize as being mm-hmm. um, sociological topics, and others as well. So we, we started the blog initially just as um, a, an online place for us to swap stuff back and forth to each other mm-hmm. only. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Were you in grad school at the time that you were doing that? Or no, we, had, we were both at our first jobs, and we were at different institutions, and we're codependent, so it was like, I don't know how to teach <laughs> yeah. if I can't share with Lisa or ask her for a good thing or whatever, and so Lisa came up with this idea, like, have a blog, and then we could each, whatever you use in class, you could just post it on the blog, and then your friends would be able to see it, and we assumed that it would be yeah. other sociologists using it, so we didn't have to explain what it was for, just say, for gender class, and then there's an image, yeah. and you right. assume the person would automatically see it and with no problem whatsoever know how to use it. So if you look at our very earliest posts from July 2007, there's like no text on them. It's just an image. Interesting. And we really only thought like five people would ever look at it. Like the people we invited to look at it. Right. And so the initial motivation was teaching most. That was the Mm -hmm. way it was oriented. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Lisa started it and then invited me like a couple of weeks later, I think, after. I only did one round of invitations and you were in there. And then Mm -hmm. the other people I invited to to participate never really did. So (laughs) as most, you know, group blogs go, uh, it ended up just being the two of us. And then 
pretty soon people started reading and we're not really sure where they came from mm -hmm. um, but then we realized we had to have some sort of title to the post that, other than like OMG or LOL right, right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, we started being we, we would be a little bit more descriptive example yeah. of social construction mm -hmm. and then we would put something up and then more people started reading and so yeah. then we started saying example of social construction and then social construction means and then uh, mm -hmm. more people started reading and we just kind of evolved mm -hmm. into what it is today. So we can't really claim a lot of um, purposeful, um, like we didn't have a, a stroke of brilliance or anything like no. that. We just sort of stumbled into this. People often assume there was sort of a strategy or that we set out right. and, and it really was sort of an accidental growth mm -hmm. where I, I, I must stress in the early days when people we did not know would comment we would be like who is this person why are they commenting on our blog we don't know you um, and we were really a little bit freaked out that these complete yeah. strangers were looking at our posts right. um, and it took a little bit of adjustment to be like oh okay so not just three friends are going to read this oh mm -hmm. I hope I haven't written anything now that I wish I had not mm -hmm. um, so so yeah it was we were as surprised as anybody mm -hmm. had you done a lot of analysis of uh, visual based things or looking at media posts before or is more because you were teaching you just wanted to have that collection of images yeah no neither of us have any training as visual sociologists and mm -hmm. we apologize to all visual sociologists out there because <laughs> we probably butcher um, what your specialty is uh, but um but yeah we had no we had no particular expertise in that but I think we were both having the experience in class of you know you try to explain something like one of Goffman's observations mm -hmm. about the way people yeah. are positioned differently in ads and how that reflects power. And students just think you're crazy. <laughs> and they yeah. just think you're being ridiculous. But um, if you show them a few examples, it just really clicks for them. And I don't even necessarily think this is a good thing, because sometimes I think students are too convinced by yeah. images. Mm. Uh, but it certainly makes teaching a lot easier if you've got this kind of thing um, at hand and you can show it to them. And same, of course, for it's one thing to talk about like disparities in imprisonment rates, but mm -hmm. another, it's another thing to put it up and the data's on the right, screen. Right. And so we were, we were both beginning to include a lot more images, not, not PowerPoint slides with text, but actual images in our teaching. So then uh, that's how, why it ended up being sociological yeah. images. Yeah, it was really grew out of just an effort to enliven our lectures and then mm -hmm. grew from there. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you feel like um, from all your experience now analyzing images, has the type of analysis you've done changed at all? Or have you seen any real difference from when you started? We have had to get better. I mean, you know, initially, again, we assumed that everybody reading it would be sociologists. And initially, the people drawn to the blog were mostly other instructors or grad students. Yeah. But as the audience changed and we realized it was drawing in a lot of people, some of whom had no background in sociology mm -hmm. at all, or who were maybe undergrads that were just learning about this, we realized you can't just say, this is an example of a patriarchal bargain yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to explain what that is and explain it in a way that doesn't turn them off or make their eyes glaze over or yeah. make them say what or you and you can't just say oh go read it in this book yeah. Yeah. well they're not going to do that but also they may not even have access I mean you know mm -hmm. they, if they're not an academic how are they going to get this journal article right. um, you know and so you can include the citation and say here's a great article in this but also summarize it and so pretty quickly we figured out we need to have accessible um, text that explains the major points that go along with the image to kind of help bring people in. Mm -hmm. But I think other than that, if anything, it's just that over time we've covered a wider variety of topics just mm -hmm. because 
you know, at first it was just linked to what classes am I teaching right now? And then it became a thing in and of itself. So then I might search out stuff to post on, even though it wasn't for my classes. And I think I've I've just learned so much about the world through, Mm -hmm. I mean, this blog started in 2007. And sometimes I look at the earlier posts and I see, I seem so naive. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there's an old, like like I did a post about vintage um, ads for cigarettes that involved Santa Claus. And I just was so tickled by that, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in 2007. But now I've seen so many examples of that kind of thing that... um, I, I don't know. I've just become a lot less naive in general, mm-hmm. and I've learned so much about the world. And, and we've learned a lot, too, about, um, you know, power and the production of images, you know. like mm-hmm. So we've learned to um, stay away from posting, like, um, things that are, are made, like, on Cafe Press. You know, you can yeah. put yeah. any horrific slogan on a T-shirt mm-hmm. on, on Cafe Press or something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, But is it meaningful? Is it powerful? Is it right. worth highlighting? Um and so we've learned how to, you know, kind of stick, kind of choose the more influential images and to kind of stick to those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also we, we've gotten smarter at certain types of media literacy, by which yeah. I mean, like, there's lots of fake ads out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're either yeah. people just creating them for fun or you have advertising agencies that mm-hmm. enter awards, you know, competitions and things of this sort. So they create a hypothetical ad right. and it looks mm-hmm. like a real ad. It's, it looks like an ad for Pepsi or whatever it might be. But once you learn enough, you you realize how to see the signs of something that <laughs> yeah. you're like, this was never, they did not work for Pepsi. Pepsi did not yeah. ask mm-hmm. them to make this ad. Yeah. And so why is it Pepsi's fault that this thing exists, that this person created intentionally to be edgy yeah. and yeah. to win an advertising award without having any affiliation with the company? Mm-hmm. Or maybe the company hired them and thought the ad was terrible and never, ever ran it. Mm-hmm. So we've learned to get smarter about like... There are just certain things, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes an over-the-top ad is completely legitimate, but sometimes people will send us something and you have to tell them, like, I, I can see why you're offended. You're right. This is racist. Yeah. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. I can at least make you feel a little better that this company, you know, now, and we've learned how to kind of track back and figure out yeah. where to look to see that those aren't real. And we right. still make mistakes sometimes, but often the, um, the company will email us and let us know if we... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> if we're... <Yeah>. If we, <laughs> if, if, the ad is fake and we didn't know. Which yeah. shows the level of popularity you reached at the point where a company is actually worried that you've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. It's a good sign. Yeah. It's like a compliment in a way. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're worried so much. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's just their PR person. Just yeah. Managed, their job, management. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. So why don't we talk a little bit about, um, we talked. We touched on this, but I know you guys have a lot of guest posters now. And when did that evolve? And so what's, this pro- what's your process for gathering content? And then... How are you incorporating other people's content? Uh, well, we we come up with ideas uh, for posts that we write ourselves, um, either just in our daily observation, walking around, we see things, as I'm sure you all do, um, or we're doing reading for our classes or for our writing, and we get ideas there. And then a lot of our ideas come from readers who submit ideas. Mm-hmm. So we get uh, 10 to 15 submissions a day wow. in, in our in email inbox. So if you've submitted, we're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in there. Um, and we may still get to it. But uh, so, so there's the 10 to, 10 to 15 per day. And so we do that. And, and sometimes really great ideas come out of there. Also, that's where we get a lot of our timely stuff. Because mm-hmm. people are really on top mm-hmm. of things. Uh, and then... Um, and then we, we brought on the guest posters mostly because 
we wanted we wanted the blog to serve as a platform for more um, voices mm -hmm. uh, and certainly more sociologists and grad students who were, were interested in getting um, some perspectives out and maybe even their own work out mm -hmm. but also because we wanted to diversify uh, the range of things that we were covering and how well we were covering those things mm -hmm. yeah um, and I think it was We'd occasionally had guest posters, but it was mostly like we would contact someone that yeah. we had seen a post and say, could we repost this as a guest post? Or just, we really love your work. Would you be interested in writing a guest post? Mm -hmm. um, but I think it was last July that we decided to try to actually incorporate yeah. them and put out a call for guest posters, yeah. um, things of that sort. Um, the, the guest posting, it's great insofar as it diversifies, but it does just bring up a separate issue, which is, you know, what if you get eight different submissions all, you know, in one day. Uh -huh. And then, you know, how do you incorporate those? And, you know, if there's the email, you get 10 to 15 of those submissions, but that seems like a lower level of obligation. But if somebody's gone to the, the effort to write yeah. a draft, you feel a certain obligation to them. And so sometimes we feel bad. If, I feel much worse if we get behind on those mm -hmm. than if we just get behind on the regular email. And so, you know, it does make managing the blog a little more complex right. um you know but yeah and we do edit them um some of them come in just absolutely beautifully crafted but um m most of them we have to edit at least a little bit mm -hmm. so it also it's yeah it's a whole different level of um work that yeah that we're still kind of behind the to. scenes yeah. yeah right right you're kind of curating it now instead of just posting ideas that you're having for the small community of readers yeah exactly if you're receiving 10 to 15 emails a day how do you filter which ones are worth posting on or what one just whatever catches your eye or what, what do you do depend how much time you have yeah. in the day it's a lot of work there's a few different things I mean sometimes one catches your eye and you post on it immediately and you're like oh my gosh this has to go up right mm -hmm. so like yesterday I posted somebody uh, our friend Dolores sent us in an example of a casting call that went out for an, uh, an Acura ad um, and it had specifically said they wanted an African-American oh, who was not this. too yeah. dark, right? And I was like, that's going up today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that goes up immediately. Yeah. There are still posts, um, emails in there, and some of them we just immediately decide, you know what? This not necessarily means that it's not a good post, but it sort of repeats something we've said, right. or we just don't. I mean, sometimes maybe someone will send you an ad from another country that you're like, you know, I just don't know what this means within the context. Yeah. Or, or they send you something that they found online, but they can't give you any context. So you're like, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know what this is. So yeah. I don't know what to do. So sometimes we delete them. You know, well, we, we, um, or it is an example of something, but it's not a really good example. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or it's something we've posted on before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we, we delete a lot of them. There's still, I think we have something like 400 emails in the inbox. 448 as of this morning. <laughs> <laughs> that we have not been able to sort of vet and post on or delete. Um, but we also, I mean, there are posts in there. Like if there's something that we think, you know what, I'm not going to get to this right now, but I think this is, there's an idea here. We'll put our name, we have tags and we put our name on it. Mm -hmm. And I have things in there. I guarantee you there's still stuff that was sent in in like 2009 mm -hmm. that I'm holding on to for yeah, that yeah. day. Someday. When I'll finally get around <laughs> yeah. to mm -hmm. writing it because I think there's something there. It's just going to take some effort or sometimes there's something that like you know what this isn't enough to post on now but I'm certain sometimes somebody will send another example and the mm -hmm. two of them together yeah. will be enough and so sometimes yeah. and I cannot tell you how many times we've held on to something for a year or more yeah. and then finally that second thing comes in and you're like there we go yeah, yeah. that's and neat. I, I, this is like the actually one of the biggest um, sources of emotion work for us mm. is 
uh, well, for me, I'll say <laughs> I have I have a, a lot of guilt over those 448 emails, and <laughs> I desperately would love to post on everything because there's a lot of great stuff in there that we haven't posted mm-hmm. on yet. Um, and so they 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 remain there in mm-hmm. in my dream that someday we will zero out that mm-hmm. inbox. If you could get a grant just to take a year and respond to everyone. Oh, that would be heaven for me, just in terms of personal satisfaction, yes. Um, so what have been some of the more popular posts or um, topics or particular posts? Well, our single most, I think, popular post probably of the entire history of the blog is we put up a post about the evolution of... Um, Ebony ads. Ebony is like one of those online games and they started out with game, you know, like a certain kind of post and over time they went more and more for the, hey, we're just going to have a girl with boobs basically <laughs> and we're going to shove them in your face. So, And it's one of those kind of online video where the ads pop up online you know, right, or in your sidebar side. or whatever <laughs> and they just went more and more all in on this and so we just started posting these and then people would send us updates and it stayed it was, in the... It, it was extraordinary. I mean, it yeah. starts out with, like, I'm a knight on a horse, right? And then it's like, I'm on a knight. I'm a knight on a horse saving a maiden. And then it's, I'm a knight on a horse saving a maiden with, with heaving bosoms. And wearing and then, a bikini. Then it's heaving bosoms. <laughs> and then it's just boobs. And then it's just boobs. And then it's, and then it's boobs with the tag, like... Um, come see me, my lord, and like, and then yeah. and then it was like a woman that looks like she's masturbating. Like, I mean, it just went all the way, yeah. and so and that was a post by Gwen called "The Evolution of Ebony Ads," and that actually I think is in the Wikipedia entry for Ebony at this yes. point. Yes, oh my goodness. Um, so, so that is probably our number one most popular, for better or worse. Yes, most yeah. popular post. It, like we wrote it years ago, and it stayed in the top ten most viewed posts for years. And we were wow. just like, really? I don't even say anything much. I just say, yeah. dude, this is messed up. Like, look, look yeah. at. Yeah. And so, um. and most of our most popular posts are like that. They're not really the ones where we personally think that you know. Every once mm-hmm. in a while, we're like, "God, I was smart in that one." Yeah. But mm-hmm. the, the, but those aren't usually the ones that are the most no. popular. Mm-hmm. The most popular are usually just the ones that are shocking and surprising. Yeah. Would be as well placed on Boing Boing or another right, yeah. blog that just sort of mm-hmm. highlights bizarre stuff on the internet as they mm-hmm. as it is yeah. in social images. People love any kind. Sometimes I, I especially kind of do the roundups of like, here's a bunch of gendered mm-hmm. toys. You know, mm-hmm. so like here's an example of gendering or whatever, and people love people those. Love mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and of course it's everywhere, and it is like a yeah. good point. But um, yeah, it is kind of weird sometimes because there's often very little overlap between how good we think a post is <laughs> right. and how popular it will be. And you will have this post that you've like worked so hard on. Maybe you've read a book and it really inspired yeah. you, and you, you go and you, yeah, and you actively find an image that will you know really highlight this, and it's great, and it's so beautiful and you're so proud of it and it gets like three likes and then another day you're like oh I'm in a rush I'm just gonna throw up this gendered ad and be like look at this and then you're like 472 people commented (laughs) Um, so I've almost there's like a converse relationship between how much work I put in on it and it's popularity so and some of the ones where you just have the collection of things like the gendered toys those are really good for teaching also which might play a part because then you don't need the analysis as much it's just like a wonderful collection to use and show people Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there particular types of content that have been surprisingly controversial to you? Yeah. Um, anytime we are posting anything about um, fat or fatness or that in any way challenges the idea that fat bodies are inherently unhealthy mm-hmm. um, and, or, or this idea that people who are fat inherently need to be policed and disciplined and told that there's something wrong with the way they look, mm-hmm. yeah. we have learned to be on the lookout 
and to know that those are posts where we need to watch the comments thread much more carefully. Hmm. Um, for, for hateful speech. For, yes, yeah. for people just saying things. I mean, it, it seems to be, you know, like we get people making ridiculous comments about a wide variety of things every so often. I mean, it happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and disagreements. And there's certain things where we might not like the way people say things, but we're like, you know, they have the right to have this conversation. Yeah. It needs to be had, you know, and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something about posts about fat in which people really seem to have a hard time stepping back and doing a sociological analysis or just saying, let me read their point and see what they're making. Yeah. And it, it mm-hmm. yeah. almost always descends into nasty sort of hmm. fat shaming and fat people hatred. are lazy and yeah, yeah just and really, really kind nasty. of comments that most of our readers would never make related to any other topic yeah. of any sort. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a small percentage of them would, but, but people who usually, if it's about other issues, might be really sociological and, and thoughtful about like, well, okay, how do we socially construct this? What's going on here? Yeah. Sometimes seem to have a very hard time with that with fat. Hmm. And you know, it really, I put up a post, or, or I facilitated putting up a guest post one time, and it was about fat issues, and I was kind of busy, and so I didn't check in on the comments thread regularly. Um, and by the time I did, like, people had said some really hurtful, awful things, and yeah. I was really, I felt terrible, mm-hmm. because I felt like I put this up there, and it was supposed to be this post that challenges this, and it was like a a sort of fat fashion show type thing where people mm-hmm. were like reappropriating fashion in certain ways and yeah. trying to make a positive, you know, argument about bodies and so on. And I felt like, you know, yeah, I can't control commenters. And yet I do have a responsibility if I put something out there and as a result, yeah. open up people not to read a useful analysis or whatever it might be, but to, you know, I just thought how many people came to this were so excited about the post and then looked at the comments yep. and were crushed and right. had yeah. to face the same crap they do every day. Yeah. And so ever since then, we've been much more careful about, like, if I know that I have a post about fat coming out, I make sure to post it on a day when I know I don't have lots of faculty meetings. Right. I'm not going to be busy all day so oh. that I can be much more on top of it. And I think mm-hmm. it says something about fat phobia in this country mm-hmm. that that is the only issue where we have to be that thoughtful yeah. about what day is safe to post this post so I can watch yeah. the comments. Yeah. And yeah. you can still see that in humor too where people are, feel safe making a joke about yeah. Yeah. someone who's overweight and you would never make it about another issue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also a prejudice that still is very prevalent on people who otherwise consider themselves to be on the political left. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I think our readers are probably disproportionately on the pol- political left, so they're much more careful about sexism and racism, for example, right. but um, this is one place where hmm. not so much. That's, yeah. I, that's interesting. I would not have guessed it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we, you're going to respond with. Yeah. How do you deal with the negative feedback? I mean, in this, you put yourself and your ideas out there much more than we generally do in academia. And you have this large audience and an anonymous audience who can say whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if someone in the comment threads insults another person in the comment threads or a, a group, um, then those get deleted. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. no insulting. There's certainly no threatening or anything like that. Um, if someone um, says something negative about what we wrote in the post, and oftentimes it's a very warranted criticism. Mm-hmm. And so when we find, we don't always catch all of them, but when we find them, then we will often take take a, a portion of their comment or maybe the whole thing and put it up into the post and say, this person um, corrected me in this oh. way. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're perfectly comfortable doing that. Um, or if we think it doesn't quite rise to the, to the level of being included in, 
in the um, comment or in the post, we'll still leave it the comment there and let people are allowed to criticize us as all they like. Um, if it's a personal attack and has no intellectual value whatsoever, mm-hmm. we'll mm-hmm. delete it. Right. Or if they use sexist language to yeah. do it, because yeah. even though I might not care that you're saying this, like you know, if you use sexist or homophobic language as a way to attack me, you're inherently insulting some of our readers. Yeah. And right. so even though it's an attack on me, it's also an attack on our readers. Yeah. And, and so we delete those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we've, we've generally had to develop a really a real thick skin yeah. mm-hmm. um, so, so that we can tolerate all, all kinds of tax, attacks. But um, we, we also have had to become comfortable with being wrong in public. Yeah, and and that and it's not fun. No, that's scary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it hasn't been easy. But um, but if you can, if you're not willing, I don't know, if you're not willing to be wrong, then then you're not really taking any sort of intellectual risks, mm-hmm. right? And and so and and I appreciate being corrected. Like mm-hmm. in some ways, it's really useful to be wrong in public because then you know you're wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you're just wrong in private, you never find out that you're wrong. <laughs> so so I try to think of it as like this is useful. I'm glad that I can learn things this way. Um, and we also think it's really important to because we have this platform to model humility in these instances. Yeah. And so you know, it, it, being able to say. Um, oh, I'm so glad, thank you so much for correcting me. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you brought this mm-hmm. to my attention and I'm willing to show the rest of the readers that, that I was wrong um, and that I'm glad. That, you know, I mean, I, yeah. think, I think that for some reason I've, I've noticed that in America it seems like you're supposed to be, feel ashamed about being wrong. Yeah. Like that's a horrible thing. Yeah. And I think it's really bizarre, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. this, I think it's something that's worth criticizing. So we've, we've tried to really kind of kind of push back against the idea that being wrong should make us feel shameful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we try to be really transparent. Like, you know, if even if a post turns out to be 100% wrong, like maybe we misunderstood the thing or we misread it or whatever. Or we, I have said offensive things. <laughs> At least one time I have said something that was yeah. downright offensive and that came straight out of, like, American ethnocentrism and white privilege and all that kind of stuff. And I would, this is where you were going, I'm sorry. I would have loved to have deleted that post. Yeah. Right. But it is still up there. Yeah. And, and I, in it, I apologize. And mm-hmm. yeah. It's very admirable to leave it up, though. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I would have difficulty doing that. <laughs> we just feel like if we start deleting when we're wrong, that changes what the blog mm-hmm. is, and it changes how much faith people can have That's right. in yeah. us. Mm-hmm. And so... We will put an update that says, if you'll read below, commenters point out, you know, I mean, I had one where, like, I totally misunderstood. The thing, the scent looked really offensive. It turned out it was from an April Fool's thing, a newspaper posted, but the person who sent it didn't know that. So it was like, so then I post it, you know, and then it's like, okay. (laughs) And it was, you know, like, okay, yeah, I got it. It was a submission, but I should have done more fact-checking. I still wanted to just delete it. It had only been up, like, an hour, but it was like, can't yeah. start deleting no. things that embarrass me because yeah. that changes our relationship with our readers. Um, if there's like a correction within the text, we just strike through it. We don't, you know, yeah. so so we try to, yes, we're going to be wrong. I mean, yeah. you know, we're not paid to do this. We don't get course releases. So it's not like we have, like, I can sit here and exhaustively fact check and still get things up to you every day of the week or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, you know, but in return, if we were wrong, we will acknowledge it. We will try to learn from it. And there are things, you know, I mean, sometimes, like, like Lisa says, like, I'm glad people pointed something out. I remember one time there was some post, it was several years ago, 
and we use the word lame yeah. in it, like something was lame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a really thoughtful reader emailed us, I can't remember if it was in, or she put up a post um, on her blog that just said, like, you know, I love social images, but I was just so sad as, like, a, um, she was a person, I don't remember if she was in a wheelchair or, or what, but... She, she was a disability mm-hmm. activist. And yeah. She was interested in ableist metaphors, like, yeah. blind to and, and uh, oh, right. you know... Um, deaf to their cries to, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or crippled by, you know. Yeah. And, and she just happened to write a post that was like, you know, I was so sad that even in this apparently thoughtful, you know, intellectual yeah. environment, they just un thinkingly use this phrase and we only learned about it because we had like a, a it pinged back as yeah. linking to our post and yeah. we saw that we're like oh and as soon as we read it we're both like she's right like yeah. she's absolutely right and I've never used that word again like yeah. that was just it was like she's got a very good point about what that means mm-hmm. and there's no need for me there are other words to because right we use lame to mean like it's not cool or it's not hip yeah. or whatever and it's like I can say a million other things to yeah, get that right. across and so I felt like I you know learned something and became a person that, that used language more carefully as a result mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um. All right, so the next question is a bit of a, it's a big, ominous question. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had some serious music to play before we ask this. Um, but So you just won the Public Sociology Award from the University of Minnesota Sociology Department. I think Sarah said that in the introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, and public sociology is a word that's used often, but what does it mean to you? I, I think there's different things that can be public sociology, right? So we do what I think is one um, element of public sociology, which is trying to introduce a wide variety of people to the sociological perspective. So it's Mm -hmm. basically sort of mass education of like, this is how sociologists look at this, this is what sociology looks at. Um, And so it's really sort of a public espousal of sociological principles. Mm -hmm. Um, But as a rural sociologist, um, you know, at the University of Wisconsin, which is a land-grant school, I think there's also very other different ways you can think of public sociology. So it can be introducing a wide variety of people to the sociological perspective, but it can also be being actively involved in actually bringing about things that sociologists, sociological research indicates would be a better way to do things into mm-hmm. the world. Or it can be doing research with the active intent of improving the lives of the public. So, I mean, mm-hmm. the land-grant school, right? Like, rural sociologists often work with farmers and things of this sort. I, I worked yeah. on a project yeah. with... Um, African-American farmers in the South trying to figure out ways to, uh, you know, keep, uh, reduce land loss among small farmers and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could be something like trying to set up a program that helps ex-felons who are being released um, from prison to transition back into life using sociological principles. What do we know helps right. people be successful and reduces um, recidivism? And so I think people often associate public sociology with what we do, which is this very, mm-hmm. you know, introducing people of public uh, to the sociological mm-hmm. perspective. But I think there's others, I don't want to say more practical, but but specific mm-hmm. creation of institutions or programs or things of that sort that may not be yeah. aimed at a broad public. It may be very specific right. to a small group of people, but it's taking sociological principles and trying to do something in the public sector. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's important as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just answer that question in a little bit of a different way. Um, for for me personally, like Gwen and I have accidentally, and again for better or worse, kind of become stewards of sociology, mm-hmm. and and so I we take it, it as a very strong responsibility to 
um, try to do that in the most responsible way that yeah. we can given the limitations we have. Uh, but one of the things that we really try to do is, you know, when um, a journalist calls us and wants us to talk about something we blog blogged about that isn't our expertise, that we talk to the journalists and then refer them to other sociologists mm -hmm. for whom it is their expertise, mm -hmm. right? Um, so we, we really try to give credit where credit's due and, 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 and give, be a bridge between other sociologists that aren't as public as we are mm -hmm. and then other ways of getting the ideas out there. So we do try to um, hold this, this opportunity that we have um, carefully and, and distribute it around as best we can. Yeah. And I have to say, I mean, it makes me excited when there's an article I read or a book that was, you know, I, I found really inspiring or that I remember being influential when you can think of a way to put that up and say, yeah. you know, here's this scholar mm -hmm. and I think their work is awesome mm -hmm. and I'm going to try to convince you that it's awesome too. And mm -hmm. there's something exciting about, you know, when you get to do that. Yeah. 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 Do you think you will really keep up this pace for many years? It seems pretty impressive. I mean, we experiment, um, and and we, well, we we complain about it a lot. <laughs> um, but we also experiment, and and it's, I I do think I think so, um, because it's so rewarding. Yeah. It really is so rewarding, and not, I mean, it's rewarding on a daily basis. You know, teaching is rewarding, and it's rewarding those days you're in the classroom, right? Mm. Research is rewarding. You know, every when you <laughs> work on a project <laughs> and you know it finally comes to fruition, right? But in the meantime, it's kind of like you're tearing yeah. your hair out. Um, but this is a, a, a really kind of fun thing to have mm -hmm. in your day. Sometimes it's miserable, like if we get yelled at or something. But but it is. It's really it's really fun, and so it's very rewarding. And I, and I can't imagine a time where I don't get inspired to want to put something up on the blog. Mm -hmm. um, and, and and we have we are constantly developing strategies for making it a manageable workload and experimenting with how to do it. So. Um, I don't think we're planning on quitting anytime soon. No. I, I've had to, um, I've been acting chair of my department for the last two years, and that, as much as I love social images, like there were certain constraints on my time that there was absolutely no way to get around. And so mm -hmm. I had to, um, I now post Monday through Friday. And some days I might have spent so much time editing a guest post to get it ready that I don't get my own post written. But I try to get up a post either by me or one of the guest posts that I'm, you know, working through the system. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I just had to basically say I can get up five posts a week, but I can't get up seven. Yeah. And occasionally there's a day where I'm just like, I cannot do it. Oh my gosh, we've got an emergency. I can't yeah. deal with this. Um, you know, and so it does help that there are two of us and we now have the regular contributors. Mm -hmm. And so at least it's like, you know, if there's a day where something has gone horribly awry and you can't get a post up, there's not going to be nothing. Yeah. Um, and, and so that has helped. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? This has been very interesting. It's so fun to hear about the background of something that we all are really active in reading every day. So. Yeah, and something that's been very successful. So yeah. Well, exciting. thank you. Thank you for reading. Yes. I mean, it, it's um, it's sort of an isolating thing to you're, oh, you're very yeah, isolated. I like, you're, I mean, I I write I write most of my posts like between. 10 p.m. and midnight on my couch <laughs> by myself, you know, with a cocktail, and uh, and so it's it's just it's wonderful to be able to interact with people that actually read it, and yeah. it's a labor of love for us, and uh, it means the world to us that it's um, useful to other people. Yeah, Thank I know you. a lot of grad students in the department use the images often for yeah, teaching. Right. So it's fantastic. Good. Well, thank you, and congratulations on the award. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us.
And that's all for this episode of Office Hours. Thanks for listening.